Hello, St. Lukers, and welcome to your your week with St. Luke's podcast. As we move into the Advent season, um, we are taking the opportunity to consider all of the birth narratives in the Gospels or the lack of birth narratives in this case for chapter for the Gospel of Mark. Um, You've got your clergy here. We hope that you are going to be following with us and we hope that you've already picked up the book Christmas in the Four Gospel Homes because that is going to be what we are using in worship. Um, We're going to be talking about that. You're going to be seeing kind of a depiction of those homes and those depictions of those homes as they would be modern day. So we're excited. So we're going to kind of jump in and really understand kind of the revolution, evolution um, of the gospel message and who Jesus came to be. So we're going to start with Mark. Okay, a little recap of Mark. Um, remember we studied Mark at the very beginning, um, uh, the first, basically the first three gospel or the first three months of the year, mm-hmm. we went through Mark chapter at a time. And that's because Mark is the earliest written. It was written sometime between 65 and 72. Um, it is really the composite, I would say the framework structure of the other synoptic gospels, which are Matthew and Luke. Um, it's the shortest. And, um, it, because it was the earliest written, it was written to that kind of, uh, sort of first community of the church, maybe a generation past the generation of the disciples in the early church to kind of begin to say, okay, the early disciples are passing away. The stories may be getting lost. And so let's, let's do this. Let's recap what this meant, especially as the communities begin to face persecution. Um, and so Let's talk, y'all, because we, we I think I can speak for all four of us, fell in love with Mark probably more than we had before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was in Mark that we actually talked about the different kinds of Jesus we meet, um, even more so than we did with Matthew, Luke, and John. So let's talk about the Jesus we met in Mark. I think all of us will never forget the term rough that E.B. Right. Rough. for that, that for sure. Mark's Jesus is rough. Um, so Ready was another word that yeah, land as well, but was used a lot. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. In in the in the weeds with people, really getting into their lives, gross sometimes, touching right. them, yeah. spitting on them, spitting was, on them in their there were bodily fluid. It yeah. was it was a lot. It was a lot that we don't I think realize or necessarily immediately associate <laughs> with Jesus. And and I, since Mark is fast, we were so grateful that Mark was fast. Right, immediately, immediately, immediately. We immediately we can't get through the grossness quick enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. For those who didn't read Mark, when we say he spit on people, we meant that he got mud and he made mud out of spit. He didn't like spit at people. Yeah. When Melissa was saying that, I was like, I'm so glad that people have context for what we mean when we say Jesus was spitting on people. Look, go back in episodes. It'll, it'll just get them to go read the gospels more. That's that's what I'm here well, for. So. And his Hallelujah. words. He spat some words out at people in Mark. Sure, he did. did. He did spit the words out. Mm-hmm. That's part of that's part of the roughness too. That I think we all really liked mm-hmm. the confrontation. It, was, it wasn't a word that yeah, it wasn't a word that Eb gave us, but we used snarky a lot. We got snarky mm-hmm. Jesus in Mark for sure. Because Jesus didn't have time yeah. to play around. Jesus was he was no. heading towards the cross, and that's what that's that's the theology of Mark, right? Like it's 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 focused on Jesus. Uh, it's focused on Jesus and Jesus' sacrifice. And, and as the, we learn in the book, we don't even have time for a 
for a birth story because we have to get to the cross. Right. So you right. perfect. Thank you. Perfect segue. So right. let's talk about what is the birth story of Mark? Yeah. Correct. Silence. <laughs> that was it. You just heard it. Yep. We just recapped right. the entire birth narrative of Mark. We are such right. skilled public theologians. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I thought it was a nuanced kind of way to tell people there was none. There was to add silence. Hey, Jad, I think you have the Bible open to Mark. Can you read that first part of Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapter one, verse one. In the beginning uh, of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's son, happening just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. So right away, right off the bat, um, this is where we get the term gospel, right? And in the book, even actually, it makes allusions to that. It tells us that actually not allusions explicitly. We get the word gospel from the beginning of Mark, good news about Jesus. And that's, that's where Mark begins with this prophecy from Isaiah. Look, I'm sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way, a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And then we're introduced to the first character, John. Right. And so John the Baptist is the herald because to have a herald means who has been born, but a monarch, right? Because that's the kind of the way it was. And so you get John the Baptist talking about and and talk about rough. I mean, it begins with setting up that this person that is coming is going to be rough with John because, you know, he's a pretty rough character himself. At least I think he is. Y'all agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, they they give a pretty explicit. a dis- description of what he wears and what he eats, and they are all very rough. Right. Leather and locusts and, <laughs> and limiting, hair. right? <laughs> so so just what- a little bit of honey to sweeten up my locusts, you know? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a little yeah. to make sweet them thick as they like. Oh, gross. Right. <laughs> uh, um. So, so why why do you think Mark? Why is the birth narrative not important to Mark? You know, Mark's mostly concerned about, if we remember from January and February, Mark's mostly concerned about the, the crucifixion and resurrection, right? The the passion. Um, so Mark wants to set the stage and get there quick. Mm-hmm. And and I would say there there's a birth narrative, but not of his physical human birth. The first thing we see of Jesus is his baptism. So, mm-hmm. so that I think if we were to argue there is a birth narrative in Mark, it's Jesus baptism, which is totally different than the other gospels um, to, to, to think of that as, as the birth because the beginning of the ministry. Um, so it's, again, Mark says it starts here. This is, this is, this is where it starts to matter is, is when he starts to do things um, mm-hmm. because that's, that's the beginning of that journey to the cross. And um, that's, that's the phrase that we get is that Mark is a passionate narrative with a really long introduction um, and that he is he's jesus is headed to the cross from moment one so i'd say also just from a perspective of like his literary style he's just not interested in convincing you that jesus had this miraculous uh uh birth you know what i mean this uh this miraculous birth i gave he gave you the information as a writer up front that this is uh, Jesus, the son of God. And I don't need to dig into explaining that. I need to explain the rest of this thing that's actually important to uh, to to what that'll mean moving forward. So so let me, that's a great kind of, we didn't talk, talk about this much, but um, 
is it is it that the the humanity of Jesus is not as important? I mean, I, I take it as born it's the, uh... a community. Hmm. I stumped. I uh, everyone, <laughs> you heard it here first. I stumped all the clergy. <laughs> Especially because I could argue for you or against you. Like I could argue mm-hmm. that it's a that the fact that we start here is more because his humanity matters more or because his divinity matters more. Because right. it depends on it depends on what you understand the birth narrative to be about. Is it about the divine, the birth narrative that we think of of, of right. you know virgin birth and in a stable and all of that, where you get this Angels. intersection of human and divine. So I I I don't know what it is it. Is it more about his humanity or his divinity when he's baptized, I guess, would be my question, because I think that would answer that question for me. Interesting. I would say, piggybacking off of of what you're saying, Melissa, or contributing or adding that thought into what I'm saying, like, I'd say the entire book emphasizes his divinity, because even when we start with the baptism, it's kind of it's adding on to his humanity that we already realize he has. Right. So it's his humanity and then it's at his affirmation from God that he is his son in whom he's well pleased. Right. And this um, is the one that says you. This is the one where it's just him and God. It's very intimate. So, yeah. So we see this human being. Right. Being acknowledged by God. Uh, and we assume he's given power and in, he's empowered to go on and do the rest of the things that he that he does. Right. And from there, his crucifixion rests in his divinity. Yes. Also in his humanity. But we focus on his divinity in this. And so I would say to Mark a little bit, I'd say maybe Mark emphasizes Jesus's divinity above his humanity. And there's not really balance in that hypostatic union uh, in the in the gospel of Mark. Yeah. Well, what I. What I to, to add on to that, what I think is interesting is, is that earthy grounded Jesus is doing earthy groundy human things that become divine things mm. like that spit dirt and all that turns mm. into healing. So it, maybe it's that Mark isn't concerned about how Jesus came about birth narrative with angels and all this miraculous stuff, but that he was on the ground throughout Mark ground, gritty, and doing miraculous things through that. So I think there's, 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 that continues that conversation of we have both of those things just in how Jesus is depicted in Mark. With that in consideration, yeah. do we talk about doing when we, when we did our little recap, did we talk about the audience of Mark, like who Mark was writing to? No, I think I Go ahead. Oh no, I forgot to. <laughs> it's a jewish audience it's a jewish audience and it's interesting because as we're talking about it i know john was a reaction to the gnostics right Mm -hmm. this whole understanding of well when he you know when he went to the cross it wasn't really the divine it was just the human because the body is so you know so john is kind of this connection to that although john is almost sometimes thought of as a gnostic gospel but was that was gnosticism going on at this time too do you wonder is that maybe why it's so gritty and dirty and like in and so in in human form and then pulling the divine into that i just i don't know my history yeah yeah, i don't know if narcissism was like a full-on thing yet because this is just about 30 40 years after jesus death but like you said in the beginning uh, of the time together 
this is being written because ideas are getting off there and we're getting off of point of who Jesus is. So there are, there may have been a lot of those early inklings of knowledge and all that kind of stuff. And Mark's definitely trying to bring it in together. This is the story of Jesus. So yes. Yeah. You know, even if it's not established. Like that historical piece. And then the literary pieces, they're just trying to get something down. Like this is, this is the first time someone's just trying to, just trying to get the basics down. And so it, it isn't trying to make it flowery. It isn't trying to, you know, so just, just from the literary side of it, it makes sense for it to be in that way. Um, but, but to, to hear what, what they thought was essential tells you about the, the historical piece. So, so it is essential that he is, you know, gritty and in the midst of it, um, because th- th- this would, this would tell you what was most important for the very first Christians to know, because someone was just trying to get you something to share with other people. Um, so. Which the cross, the fact that someone who is divine would give himself over to the humiliation and grittiness of the cross. Mm-hmm you know, and then, then death is defeated through resurrection is the most important for them. Yeah. That, that really did happen, that he wasn't stolen, that it wasn't a, you know, cause that's what we have is that this idea that, oh, the, you know, tell him that the authority stole him. Don't let him be resurrected. Kind of, Mm -hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Yeah. The contextual thing that's happening. Oh, sorry. That is um, in, but 66, there was this, this the Jewish war with this there's more conflict happening. Yep. And there the that area of Palestine is becoming a problem for Rome and the powers that be. And then you're seeing that first generation or second generation growing, beginning to split themselves away from Judaism. And so Mark's got to establish this. Sorry, just another contextual yeah, right. piece Thank of what yeah, that's a good historical reference for us too. So before we get into that last question that we wanted to talk about, let's 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 move into this sermon series and this book and what it does about kind of understanding, presenting what would Mark's house look like at Christmas? Because um, we're in the season where we're decorating our homes and we get into all the like, what does it really mean? And what does that have to do with, you know, the in, celebrating the incarnation? So, Melissa, take it away. Tell us about what this book talks about. What would Mark's house look like at Christmas? Yeah. So I want to, I want to just give, give attribution where it's due. This is a book by Cynthia Campbell, and this was for a church that she worked with and an artist in um, her church, um, Kevin Burns, as they thought through this, the artist then did depictions of the outside of these houses of what they would look like. Um, And, and so if you were to uh, talk about what Christmas at Mark's house would look like, um, that's what kind of each, each chapter is about. What is Christmas at Mark's house, Matthew's house, Luke's house, and John's house look like um, with the idea of what what are our birth narratives? What do birth narratives look like in each of these stories? Um, and so um, I'm going to read just the beginning of the of the book. It says, um, we begin by visit, going to visit cousin Mark. He lives in a spare, simple home because Mark is just kind of like the police detective who says just the facts. Um, his house has just what it needs and not much more. A door, a couple of windows, a chimney, and the surprising thing that there, there isn't much in the way of Christmas going on here. So, so it's funny because when we were talking about doing this series, and you'll see a lot of of how we've kind of put this together when you when you come to worship Sunday. Can't wait to see you. Um, but uh, to to ask that question of what what does this look like? There was some struggle of starting with Mark because it's it's 
bland. It, it isn't what we see as Christmas. Um, it isn't, you know, if you think of what Christmas would look like, um, Mark does not have Christmas decorations. There just aren't any uh, because there isn't this understanding of Christmas in the truest, in the, I say the truest sense, in, in what our truest sense would be if we right. just heard the word Christmas. Um, you could walk into Mark's house and have no clue that it was Christmas um, because there, there aren't decorations. Because as we have just talked about in Mark's gospel, there is no Christmas story. Um, there is no birth narrative in that traditional sense. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's this idea. It's, it's almost like a cabin in the woods kind of a feel for, mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. Mark's house. So what, what do you all think that kind of um, shows us uh, in this, this depiction? First, it gives license to everyone who doesn't want to decorate. <laughs> or is it behind? I'm just feeling yeah. a little marky in these can, last three you weeks. You can just say, you know, <laughs> right? why why didn't you decorate for Christmas? Well, I'm celebrating Mark's Christmas. Exactly. Right. You know, like observing right. a holy Lent. You're observing a holy Advent. Exactly. <laughs> right. I'm just eating locusts and honey. And that's that's I'm all. I'm going with the rough. I'm going with a rough Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it could yeah, be... but what does this what does this picture help you do? What why does it matter that we start with Mark this season? What what actual Christmas, what what does it do for our Christmas, for our Advent journey to to think about Mark's house at Christmas? Just continue honestly, continuing the thread that Jen started, I think that it could call us into a season of reconnection with the heart of Advent. Um, I think that all of the decorations and things and the traditions and all that kind of stuff is amazing. It's it's, it's part of why uh, the Advent season and Christmas are my favorite times of year, my favorite time of year. But it, they, they can serve to be a bit of a distraction. Um, they're, they're like we um, it, it, we talk about Advent and it being a season of anticipation and preparation. And then we think about being children leading up to the 25th and you, you're just so excited about, but there's so many things to look forward that, that, that we fulfill that anticipation with on the way to the 25th. You know what I mean? Whether it's the carols or it's the cookies or it's whatever, there's this and that. But if we strip those things away and we only have what's necessary, if we only have the story, right? What does that do for our journey if we don't distract ourselves with those things? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what kind of what kind of space do we create for contemplation in our own hearts and minds? Uh, if yeah, if we if we don't distract ourselves with all the all the cool things that come on the way to the birth or on the way to Christmas morning, you know. I love that, Jeremy, because I think you're right in that we've forgotten what the Advent season really is. Um, you know, in studying the liturgical season, I had to learn for myself and we shy away from it as pastors. I'm going to say this. I shy away from it. Um, the lectionary is usually John the Baptist. It's usually preparing right. for the second coming. It is, it is, it is exactly what the beginning of Mark is, you know, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Like it is Advent and Lent are the same seasons. A time yes. of personal penitence, self-reflection, you know, Lent is preparing and being penitent and, and sitting in, sitting in our self-examination of the disciplines for the, for the cross and, and the, the necessity of Holy Week, 
um, to get to resurrection. But Advent is preparing ourselves for the second coming of the incarnation of Christ coming again. And are we ready? And all of those John the Baptist liturgical are very marking, like, like cut away, prepare the wilderness. When I think of preparing the wilderness, I think of like moving rocks and trees and gardening and landscaping barriers, <laughs> barriers yeah. and, yeah. and, and the other gospel, John, the Baptist readings are even more. It's like the lectionary readings usually for Advent are like, you know, the, 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 the darkness is coming and there will be a day and the moon and the sun and they're very apocalyptic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's easy to forget that that's actually the work of Advent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or even like um, the other book we're doing as a devotion for Advent, Honest Advent, it wants to center the journey of Advent around the journey of pregnancy and birth. You know what I mean? So what happens if we focus on Mary and her journey as a person bringing life into the world? That's not really, it's, it's, it's hard. You know what I mean? It's difficult and there's joy to look forward to, but, but yeah, what, I mean, yeah. Yeah, So, and yeah, another piece. Pregnancy is pregnancy is fun when you're having the showers and you're getting the nursery ready. And those last four weeks when everything's done and you're in pain, it's miserable. (laughs) I speak for all. I I don't speak for all, but I speak for all my births. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) You do, you sit and you wait and you think, am I ready for this? And, Mm. and can I do this? And what way my life is going to change and have I done enough? And will I screw this kid up? And yeah. At least that was yeah. me. No, I, as a father, I can relate to that. <laughs> Preparing. Yeah. How well, and I was going to say the other aspect that's kind of just, it may be sometimes as obvious, but we can pass through is that we have four different voices. We have four different perspectives. Uh, we have four different forms of uh, architecture in the neighborhood. Um, we've got four different um, expressions of perspectives on Jesus and having Mark is part of that. And the the beauty of the plurality of voices and perspectives that sometimes we just kind of forget, especially with Christmas and how the the world has kind of woven the narratives into one, especially, you know, Matthew and Luke, but that that Mark is there too. And it's of great value. It does something different. Um, but it's, it's part of that course, the plurality of authorship. Um, so just, I mean, I think it can kind of be an obvious one, but I think sometimes it's important to just, just label again, because we've been doing this all year. We've been in all four gospels all year that that plurality of voices and perspective is, is, is beautiful. And even though it's, it's a, you know, a shack kind of feel, it still has great value. It brings warmth and and it is telling a story and leading us somewhere. I think, I think for me, my, my, one sentence is Mark reminds us the baby grows up and that when, when we have all of this pomp and circumstance around this birth, the hard work is the, there's still hard work to do. I mean, Jen and Jad, y'all have had kids. I, I imagine that um, you think, oh, you know, labor and pregnancy, that was really hard, but then the the kids keep growing and it gets, you think, oh, maybe the next season I'll get, you know, I, I've worked with with all ages well enough to have, have seen, like, it doesn't necessarily get easier. It's different, um, right? <laughs> Jen's face with her 
Uh, all almost adult kids right now. Um, I realize now why Jesus died at 33. <laughs> <laughs> Mary didn't kill him. I wasn't formed until 26. I was about to say, Mary didn't kill him. No, well, she <laughs> made him Mary. Oh, she, she did the best she could. Not- Sorry, you were being very serious and nope, real. Nope, that's perfect. That's perfect. I had an epiphany about. <laughs> okay <laughs> but, but that is like it, it's we we like christmas we like yeah. we like the, the peaceful bait there it was not peaceful it was a manger but yeah. but we like our pictures of the peaceful baby in the manger well this peaceful baby grows up to be a really rough leader as far as mark is concerned but but a, a rough rough person to come and be with us in our roughness. Um, Cause I'm not sure that a baby in a manger is who I want to be with me in my hardest times. Um, you know, I think it is this, this Jesus, I want to sit down with me and go, okay, here's the deal. Like, I know it sucks. This is hard. And we're going to do it together because look what, look where I'm going. Surely you can take whatever the next step is. So and y'all will see a little bit of how we are doing that with the way we're telling the story and worship this week too. Um, but but not not losing the magic of Christmas, not 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 ignoring it or moving on too quickly from it, but not forgetting that Christmas is the beginning of something, that Advent is the beginning of our liturgical year. And then and that the question at Christmas, because we we feel like when we hit that Christmas day, that we've we've finished something. That's the way that our particularly here in Orlando, where everything is commercial Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. once the Christmas parties at Disney stop, once Grinchmas stops, once you know, you know, we aren't seeing all all of the 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 lights and everything around us we 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 feel like something has come to an end but i think mark invites us to ask at christmas what comes next so well and so i would say you know it's it's the waiting it's the learning to wait it's the learning to sit in the midst of an empty house or or you know an empty spiritual house and wait and long for hope because that's what mark's gospel really points us towards from the beginning is hope and And there's a question in the book that you all will be able to kind of wrestle with yourself, but it says the author tells us that hope is to be found in the manger only because it is first found in the cross. So I wonder if the Christmas decoration that Mark does has is a cross, Mm -hmm. like cross at the center of an advent wreath. Yeah. Mm. You know, and that that's, that's the image that the wooden cross, Mm. you know, was the end of the manger, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um so what do you what do you make of that how does how does that bring you hope stumped us again dang <laughs> I, I mean for me it's what it's what i just said of of knowing yeah. that knowing that there is there is there is more past this that um <clears throat> that my savior doesn't stay a baby if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and and that there is someone who not only came to be with me, but but walks the same that will walk the same journey as I do. And so so seeing what that baby will become is is so much of of the hope at Christmas in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's growing and going somewhere, right? Um, the, the 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 narrative and that, that there's there's something even more miraculous and beautiful in front of us. Yeah, yeah I think. For me, it kind of rests honestly in what Melissa was saying earlier, 
just in the fact that, you know, I have a savior, I am connected in, 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 uh, in relationship with a savior that will go into the dark and hard and gritty and messy places. And I don't need to be pristine and clean to be in relationship with this Jesus who, who uh, spits in mud and who uh, is even rough with, with his words. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. And that the decorations don't have to cover all that up. They can all sit together. They can sit together. All right. Well, we hope that you continue to follow along with us. We hope you'll pick up the book. Um, We also have the daily devotion that's happening as Jeremy talked about the Advent hours, right? Honest Advent. Honest Advent, excuse me. Um, and so read along with us and we hope to see you in worship this Sunday. I know it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, um, right. Um, but we're going to be in worship. We're going to be combined at nine 30 and combined at 11 15. And we have a special guest with us, Bishop Ken Carter, our Bishop here in Florida, in the Florida conference. He has one more month as our Bishop and he is starting kind of his farewell journey at St. Luke's. Um, to preside with us over communion table and also to share a special word um, of, of gratitude. And so I hope you'll come, you'll be with us. It's going to be a, a beautiful celebration and um, we will see you then until then God's blessings. <laughs>